0: Welcome to the Ohio District UPCI podcast. The following message is titled, Come Forth, and was spoken by Victor Jackson at the Ohio District Senior High Camp. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about the Ohio District, visit us at ohiodistrict.com. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord, everybody? Tell you what, the presence of the Lord is surely here. I commend you on your response to his presence and to the worship on the first night of camp. There's such an incredible hunger here, and I am excited to get to spend some time with you uh, with all these wonderful speakers. Brother Akers, I'm looking forward to hearing him in the morning. Uh, pastors and apostolic church in North Carolina. I'm so thankful to get to tag team with Brother Court Chavis. I honor and love and appreciate him and his ministry and his family pastoring an incredible apostolic church. Every time I get to visit there, it's always growing. They're always building. They're always doing something uh, new to usher in revival there. And uh, I give honor to people like him uh, that continue to hold fast to this wonderful apostolic doctrine and be an example to our generation. Can you give them a hand clap of appreciation? And uh, this wonderful Ohio Youth Committee, I give honor to them and Brother Nutter and his wife and family. I got to meet them a few years ago. Uh, when they went out and evangelized and uh, got to meet him in Vider, Texas, where he was helping out Pastor Tuttle and taking that church to another level uh, with the systems uh, that he implemented there. And that church has continued to grow uh, because of the effort that he has put in there. And it's so great to see them and what God is doing in this wonderful district. I honor and respect his anointing. I respect his home church, uh, his pastor, Pastor Aaron Bounds. I give honor to Brother Bounds. I appreciate so much apostolic voices in this hour. Can you give a hand clap of appreciation to these wonderful people? Amen. Amen. Brother Bulgren. I'm so excited to get to spend some time with him. Uh, They just had a baby uh, almost four weeks ago. He married a Florida girl. I uh, used to work camps in the Florida district. I remember when Calix was 15, 16 years old, and I worked the camps where she started singing. I cannot believe how time flies and uh, God is using them mightily I Give honor to all of them My beautiful wife and my son They're going to be here with me this week uh, They just got into town uh, This evening Why don't we open up our Bibles To the book of Second Samuel Second Samuel chapter 9 Appreciate so much this worship team uh, The singers and the musicians I'm just excited To get to spend some time With y'all this week Second Samuel chapter nine and verse one. Is anybody excited? And I uh, appreciate so much the gift basket. I believe Hershey's with almonds. I believe that's biblical. So I just uh and fruit snacks, I just believe in gummies and fruit snacks. I just it's one of my convictions. And uh, you're never too old to eat fruit snacks. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Appreciate brother Up to Grave picking me up today. I had great fellowship with him today. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when he had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Zippah? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Emiel in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mekir, the son of Emiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Verse 13, last scripture. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. I want to preach to you on this first night of camp, on this subject, come forth. Come forth. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. Uh, let's ask the Lord to do exactly what he wants to do here. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the apostolic heritage and witness that I feel in this place I thank you for the foundation that is in this building I'm thankful for the apostolic culture that is in this place Lord I ask that you would mend that you would touch that you would minister open up my mind open up their minds Lord give us revelation and understanding I'm nothing without you You are the vine and we are the branches. Quicken things in my spirit. Lord, minister as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on, if you're excited, can you clap those hands a little bit louder? Come on, if you're really excited, why don't you clap your hands, all ye people, and Somebody shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on, with expectation, can you lift up your voice? Hallelujah! You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout, Yes. Come on, somebody. It's amazing how quickly humans can lose the wonder in their eyes. Uh, It's one of the downsides of humanity, I believe, just how quickly we can become Uh, just lose the sparkle at things we once admired and adored. Um, When you first met that girl, you would drive eight hours to go and meet her. And you thought the Lord had put every freckle in place by his anointing. He stretched forth the stars and he made the freckles as a beautiful galaxy. And but when you're around those freckles for a few years, those freckles can sometimes just become agitating. And you used to drive six hours to go and meet them, but now it's tough to go 30 minutes to go get something from the store for her. That's Man, I'm in trouble already. Hallelujah. Uh, It's amazing how quick we can lose the wonder. Everybody was lined up for Black Friday for that first iPhone. My Lord. First iPhone, they put a 10 out. 10 out. Outside the store, outside the store at 11 p.m. waiting for that store to open at 8 o'clock in the morning. And they got a tent. They're the first ones in there. They, they're on the couch. They, they got it all. Oh, my beautiful wife snuck in. Ooh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My word. Ooh, Okay. They put a tent out there. They, they, get, they even put a little monitor out there, a little screen out there, get out of, on a couch, and they sit in the tent waiting. To, they don't want to lose their spot. Anybody ever heard of people doing that? For that first iPhone. But then a year passes and they're looking at their iPhone like, I need an iPhone too. Hate this phone it's old phone and then they get the iPhone 2 and they're excited but then everybody starts looking down on them when the iPhone 3 comes out They're like you still got the iPhone 2 yeah ew, that's old you old iPhone 7 comes out you're like man I got it I got it $800 yes iPhone 10 comes out, a thousand dollars, you're like, you got the iPhone 10 yet? Man, I just got this the seven for 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 literally three months. Then all of a sudden you start hating it. Oh, this is slower. The 10's better. It's amazing how humans, when they're around things for any period of time, how we can just start losing that wonder and we can start losing that sparkle. The disciples, they when they first met Jesus, the disciples, they made a commitment to leave everything. They left their businesses. They left family members. They left everything just to follow Jesus. And when they saw Jesus' prayer life, they began to get enamored with his prayer life. They, they were so enamored when they They watched Jesus pray for the first time. They couldn't hold it in. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They saw his prayer life and saw how he went after the things of the spirit. And they were so flabbergasted by that type of prayer and quality of prayer that they said, teach us to pray. But after being around him praying for three years, Jesus is in the most important prayer meeting of his life in Gethsemane, and the Bible says they couldn't stay awake. And they could not keep their eyes open as Jesus is passionately praying because they've been around him for three years. They began to lose the wonder of God in the flesh. All of us are victims to that being around somebody, someone, something that can become common. And Mephibosheth, his dad was Jonathan, and Jonathan's dad was Saul, the first king of Israel, and The people were not content for Saul to be their king, for God to be their king. They wanted a visual representation of the kingdom. And so Saul became king, but he was a disobedient king, did not listen to God, and he had literally brought shame upon the lineage of the Benjamites. And Jonathan, he was in covenant with David. And Jonathan, he had a son named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, his name means despise of shame. His name means that he was the destroyer of shame. Mephibosheth was born with the intention to destroy all the shame that Saul had caused on the lineage and restore glory and honor and back to the nation of Israel. Mephibosheth he was born with an anointing with a destiny. He heard them prophesy over his life since he was a child. They said Mephibosheth God is going to use you Mephibosheth. There is an anointing on you Mephibosheth. You're going to tear down the enemy's kingdom. You're going to lift up the kingdom of heaven. There are prophecies that are going to be fulfilled. You're going to impact the Mephibosheth he had a destiny he had an anointing he had a future he had a fervor he knew that God had called him to do something great he knew that God's hand was on his life he knew that he had been destined for great has anybody ever felt that witness where you know that God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this Mephibosheth knew. He was destined and knew he was anointed. He he was in those altar calls and those prayer meetings as they began to prophesy and lay hands on him and say, you have a bright future. You have a bright anointing. Uh, he was there at the camp services as he heard the preacher began to preach on the call of God. And something in Mephibosheth's heart began to leap forth uh, as he knew destiny uh, was calling him forth uh, to do some Great. He could not be satisfied with just being average, huh? just being mediocre, huh? just barely surviving, huh? just barely living for God. He felt something from the depth of his spirit, huh? calling him to a higher level. Have you ever heard that call? Can you clap your hands if you've ever heard that call? But there comes a time. When Jonathan, his dad, and Saul, his grandfather, that they died in the same day. And when they died in the same day in that tragedy, the nurse that was there that was supposed to take care of him began to pick him up at five years old. She picks up this chosen vessel Mephibosheth and she begins to try to protect him. She says, this is the anointed one. This is the chosen one. This is the one with the future. She picks him up and she begins to run with him. But somewhere in a moment of inattention Mephibosheth falls out of her hands and the Bible says that his feet became lame huh, and he became a cripple. Huh. Now that boy with all that destiny, with all that anointing, now the thought comes into his mind. Huh, God could never use me huh, anymore. Huh. I messed up too much. I've made too many mistakes. I'm a failure. I'm defined by being a cripple. Who did I think I was being anointed and doing something great for God while mistakes keep on happening in my life? Mephibosheth began to think to himself, God can use somebody else. He can use somebody else to do something. But I'm defined by this mistake that is happening." in my life, but can I tell you Mephibosheth, there's still an anointing on you, there's still a destiny on you, there's still a future for you, there's still a power for you, if you would pursue it again. Can somebody clap their hands and take a praise break for a moment? Come on, somebody clap again. I'm right here. I'm right in the vein, and I'm going to dwell there for a second. And tragedy strikes him because not only did his dad die, and not only did his grandfather die, but whenever he messed up, something died in him. And the wonder began to be lost. He got frustrated when people kept talking about a calling on his life. He got agitated when people began to say, you're still destined, you're still anointed. And that tragedy, that failure pushed him into Lodabar. Lodabar. It was a place where there was no communication. That's what the word means. It was a place where there was no word. There was nothing in Lodabar. It was a place that was pastureless. It was a wilderness. There was no fruit in Lodabar. And Mephibosheth felt that he had to dwell there because he felt that God was done with him. He felt that God could never use him for his glory anymore. He he felt like he'd done uh, too bad. Uh, he felt like yes he came to camp uh, and he clapped with everybody uh, but the wonder was gone in his eyes uh, as he just went through the motions uh, with everybody else but he felt like God couldn't use him uh, but he could use that perfect person next to him. Uh, he could believe for everybody else uh, but when people begin to believe in him he couldn't believe in himself. And I come here because I watched you in the prayer and in the worship. And I saw you praising and being sincere. But I see that the sparkles left your eye because failure came into your life. And you do not believe in a future for you anymore. Feel like you're too far gone. So you've just been forced into Lodabar, the place where dreams die. Come on now. Hey, you're content disappearing in the crowd. Am I helping somebody? If I'm helping you, wave a hand right now. I'm talking to somebody right now. Lola Bar was the place where dreams die, where you stop believing in yourself. You stop believing in your anointing. And when that happens, all of a sudden your clap it doesn't have as much of an impact in the atmosphere because you don't believe you're worthy enough for God to hear your praise. You don't believe you're worthy enough for God to hear your prayer. Hey, You know why you don't pray? It's not because you're a bad person. You don't pray because you don't feel worthy enough uh, that God would even hear your cry uh, and the devil has blinded you uh, to your potential uh, and your anointing and God has sent me forth on this first night to stir up the gift again and stir up the wonder again and stir up the power again. I know, I know. I know you dress real nice on this first night of camp. I, you look real nice. I love your jacket. I, I love the nice clothes. I, I love the smile and the nice skirt. And I know you can fool everybody, but I am tuned into your spirit. And I know that you've been clapping and praising, but I hear the sound of your spirit louder than the cry of your praise. And in your spirit, you're saying, God, take me out of low to par. I, I want to be what you want me to be, and I'll Do whatever it takes to be that. Hama, hear my whole city here. Can I tell you, Job, he never had a problem blessing God after he went through a tragedy or a storm or a trial. Job didn't have a problem blessing God when he went through a struggle. The Bible says after Job lost everything, the Bible says that he worshiped God. But here's where he had a problem because he worshiped God when he went through adversity. But here was the problem. The problem was that in the next chapter in Job 3 that Job began to curse himself. And when he went through struggles it was easy to praise God but it was tough to see anything good in himself. He said curse me the day I was born. He said I wish the sun would never shine on my birthday again. He said, why wasn't I born as a stillborn? Hello? And he began to curse himself. He said, let the stars never shine on my day again. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And when we go through struggles and stumbling blocks and failures, we can see everything right with God. But at the same time, we see everything wrong with ourselves. And you go back home after camp, and you go back home, and you stumble a little bit, and you say, Who did I think I was? Thinking that I could be used by God. Whew. I know God's good, but it's tough to find anything good in me. I'm talking to somebody right now, because it happens to you every year. It happens to you every time you get on fire. Whew, help me, Holy Ghost. It happens every time you start feeling radical to do something for God. You don't do it perfect. You fail. There's a stumbling block, and all of a sudden, all you can see is all of your imperfections in the mirror. And you know what it does? It produces a condemnation where you just don't even try to do anything great anymore. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now. You disqualify yourself, and you feel the pull of the Spirit, but you say, no, God, do you see what's in me? Do you see what's in me? And you just start blending in and just surviving in this place where there's no word, no communication, just pastureless, just a dry land. I know you don't act like you're dry. Well, you've been dry because you've stopped believing in yourself and your dream has begun to die in Lodabar because you had a few failures this year. You've gone through a few things this year. You didn't accomplish what you thought you would accomplish. That P7 didn't go exactly as you envisioned it. That CMI didn't really thrive exactly like you thought it would. Whew my Lord in heaven your family didn't come back to church like you prophesied they would you start looking at yourself in the mirror I'm the problem I don't pray enough I don't worship enough get it together what's wrong with me and that dream just begins to die in Lodabar and There was a woman that nobody talks about anymore. This woman, her name was Tamar. And Tamar had been through adversity. The Bible says that someone close to her had took advantage of her and raped her. And that's all we talk about in Tamar's life. We don't talk about Tamar's destiny. Because the Bible says that she had a coat of many colors, just like Joseph had. But we don't talk about Tamar's coat of many colors. Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 17. This is where Tamar gets raped and a tragedy happens. Then he called his servant that ministered unto them and said, put now this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. Verse 18, and she had a garment of diverse colors upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and she rinsed her coat of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate and her brother's house. Tamar had a coat of many colors. She was chosen by the king. She had a destiny, she had an anointing. But after a failure, after a problem, after some pain, after some adversity, she rent her coat. That coat was her identity. But when she looked in the mirror, saw all the adversity in her life, she began rend. And she said, "I don't deserve it." Deuteronomy 22 and 25 talks about rape. This is how God sees rape. Deuteronomy 22 and 25. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. Look at verse 26. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. Look at this. For as when a man rises against his neighbor and kills him, even so. Is this matter? God said, when I see rape, God said, I compare that to murder. Because something dies in the life of that individual that will never awaken again unless the power of the Holy Ghost comes to revive it. And you've been through something and something's died on the inside of you. I smelled death when I entered into this place tonight. Dead dreams, dead visions, dead futures. Because you began to rend that coat of identity. I watched the threads begin to splinter as from the top down you begin to rend that coat. and nobody talks about Tamar. Why? Because she ended her story. We only define her by that moment because she defined herself by that moment. She said, it's over for me. I'll never praise again. I'll never worship again. I'll never go after a calling again. She rent that coat. And she remained desolate. She died in her own bar, And that's why we talk about Joseph's coat and not hers. They both had a coat of many colors. But we talk about Joseph's coat because Joseph never tore his own coat. And as long as he never tore his own coat, there was an opportunity for him to overcome his adversity. I'm there. My Lord in heaven. Joseph, he never tore his own coat. Hear me, but the enemy... Tore his coat but he never tore his own coat his brothers tore his first coat but as long as he didn't tear his own coat when the enemy attacks you and tears your coat it means you've outgrown that old coat and your enemy is preparing you for a new coat I'm a Each time your enemy attacks you, it means you've outgrown the old coat. And he starts measuring you for a new coat. And when you get the new coat, the new coat will be greater than the old coat. Come on, somebody. And what the devil meant to destroy you, you put it in God's hand, he will turn it around into an anointing. I'm there his brothers uh, tore his first coat because uh, he outgrown it uh, and so he put on a new coat uh, but Potiphar's wife came uh, because he outgrew the second coat uh, and Potiphar's wife uh, began to rend the second coat uh, and when he rent the second coat uh, that got him prepared uh, for his enemy uh, Pharaoh uh, to give him a new coat in the palace uh, he had to shed off uh, that old coat uh, he both said, because the enemy would put a coat on him that no devil in hell could ever destroy. No devil in hell could ever come against every time your enemy attacks you and rends your coat. He is measuring you for a new coat. Can I preach to you right now? Jesus he came in a coat of flesh. God robed himself in flesh. He came in a coat of flesh and while he was on the cross they took a spear and they began to rend that coat of his body and it was made measuring him for a resurrection coat. I feel like preaching right now. Kaya can I tell you, when I go to the suit shop and they try to measure me for a new suit, the first thing they tell me is, they say, put your arms out. They say, put your feet together. They say, let me put the pins in you. I am measuring you for a new coat. I'm so thankful that they stretched his arms out. They put his feet together. They put the pins in him. Hey, you're not hearing me yet. I said, you survived Bar." you survived the hell you survived the adversity and you made it to another year at camp and I'm telling you there's a new coat that you're going home with if you would not rent your old coat I wish somebody would clap if you believe that I wish somebody would shout if you believe that I wish somebody would run if you believe that. I wish somebody would dance if you believe that. I wish somebody would rejoice if you believe that God is able. Come on, clap a little louder. Clap a little louder. Clap like you believe you're anointed. Clap like you believe you're still chosen. Can I tell you, don't ever rend your own coat? Just because you messed up doesn't mean you're not still called. Just because you failed doesn't mean you don't still have an anointing. Just because you fell short of what you wanted to be doesn't mean you're disqualified. Because the king does not define you by Lodabar, he defines you by the seat of the future that's at the table with the king. There is a seat, there is a table that is ready for you into your destiny. If you can get delivered from what you think of yourself, he will get you ready. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the Ohio District Podcast.